Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast should consult their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions we might make. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. We're back. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money and Welcome. My co-host and sidekick and darling daughter, Alyssa, is hopefully with us. Are you there, Alyssa? I'm here. Good morning. Yep. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? Okay. So far, so good. You know, this Zoom stuff's not bad if you can't be in the station, right? Yeah. Is my audio okay? Yeah. You're sounding great. And I think Tim can hear the both of us. And hopefully all our listeners can see that too. Alrighty. All right. So listen, I don't know if Justin kind of surprised you about what we're talking about here. You got any ideas? I will be totally surprised. Right. I have no idea. It makes for the best radio that way when you're right. Absolutely. All right. So we're talking about, and now we virtually never do this, okay? But we're talking about reasons why people should hire financial advisors. Oh, okay. So in pure disclosure, folks, we're not completely altruistic. We do this show. I've been doing it for 42 years. No, 30 years and change, starting in 1992. And we like to get the word out, and we like to help people get smart about things. But yeah, every once in a while, we kind of hope a radio listener might give us a call if they need some help with their cash and stuff. But hopefully, this show, we're pretty subtle about it. We don't exactly beat anybody over the head. And hopefully, the things that you've picked up or learned over the years have been well worth your listening. So whether you're a client of ours or not, thank you for that. But we're going to spend some time here talking about, I guess, the value of financial advisors. And yep, we have some biases. And I guess my comments are that there's some percentage of people on the planet who can do all their own financial stuff and be good at it and should. And there's some other percentage of people that can't do that very well or don't have the time or the energy or the expertise to do that stuff. And just maybe your world might be better off with some financial advisors. And by the way, I'm throwing accountants, attorneys, okay, and insurance folks into that financial advisor realm sort of a thing. So whether you're a do-it-yourself or you work with a financial advisor or you work with us, we hope the show and all the topics over the years have been fun and interesting and hopefully worthwhile. But yeah, I want to reemphasize to those folks who maybe do their own thing or maybe thinking about a financial advisor, some of the reasons you might consider doing that. And we'll be very subtle about this, but I think we're not talking just about McNamara Financial. We're talking about a whole bunch of people out there in the world who do financial stuff for a living and could probably make your life better and are probably better at it than you are. That was pretty subtle, don't you think? But pretty, that be, am I okay with that or what? what yeah, think? I'm okay with that. I think the majority of people can benefit from professional advice. I certainly think there are some people out there that have the time and energy and can do the research needed to do things well on their own. But I think most people are busy and maybe don't have the time for that and or the inclination or the desire and can certainly benefit from professional advice. So yeah, I think that's perfectly fair. Those are perfectly fair statements. Yeah, so I'm quoting from an article on thinkadvisor.com and the article's topic is 
top seven reasons Americans hire financial advisors. And, and by the way, we're getting more important as we go along. But number seven was saves me time. Son of a gun. Yeah. Yeah. Most people don't have a lot of extra time in their lives. Well, life is, life so is busy. So, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll be cute here. But if you're checking your expenses and your budget every week or two or once a month or so to make sure that all you're in line, if you're checking on your savings and if you're maybe reviewing your investment strategy and then if you're pretty sure you understand all of your life insurance policies and you check on any changes every once in a while and if you understand you've got the appropriate home ownership or insurance and the auto insurance and oh yeah, never mind having a will and power folks there's a whole bunch of things one has to pay attention to in the world okay and i just listed a few of them that relate to your financial affairs so time is a pretty important one for most folks at certainly up there all right next reason keeps me up to date on things like changes in the tax code by the way i have different percentages as a result of a poll that created this mm. article from Generation X and Generation Z and Millennials and Baby Boomers. I don't want to get into that stuff. I just want to get into that. It keeps me up to date. Your take on that before I start ranting a little bit here. What do you think? The tax code does seem to change quite frequently, yep. not necessarily the tax brackets. Those don't change all that frequently, but all the little nuances and all the uh, deductions and things you can take advantage of or can't anymore. And yeah, that stuff changes quite a bit, it seems. I don't know the statistics or anything, but yeah, it seems like every year something's changing. We all, we've also had a lot of changes recently because of the stimulus and a lot of things that that the government rolled out related to COVID and after COVID and all that stuff. Yeah, I think that's important. And sometimes behavior can and should change as a result of that. And are those changes to take it to be very tax efficient and smart with your money? Yeah, I think that's a big benefit right there. Yeah. And my take on that is so it's our position that if we think there's something we don't inundate people with all kinds of information and keep up. We, when there's something big that we think would apply to all of our clients, we'll zap out a little a monthly article or this, that, or the other thing and give people an update on it. But our chances for updating in our e- annual meetings or our planning meetings, okay? Mm-hmm. I think it's nice to sit down with a, an advisor who kind of starts asking you all the questions you should be thinking about yourself just in case you haven't done that sort of a thing. My take is you don't want to blitz people with all kinds of information they don't need, just the information they do need. And an advisor who knows you personally might be a little bit more adept at not wasting a whole lot of your time and stuff you don't need to know about the thing. uh, Yeah, that's true. A lot of the changes don't affect everyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, and applying the changes to who needs, I guess our position would be our clients are on a need to know basis Uh, (laughs) and too much and too much and if you send too much information people's way they'll tune out and they'll stop reading and then that's not impactful yeah one certainly a benefit of working with an advisor is that you can receive tailored advice not just generic advice and information yeah and there's a lot the tax code is incredibly complicated and thorough and great example of something of information that can be tailored to a one person yeah, the, the government changes the rules every year or two anyway, and it just yeah. and it make us more confused. Anyway, yeah. right, reason number five helps me align my finances with my values. All right. Helps me align. I've yeah, a, okay. I've got a, a take on yeah. it. These days when you hear that, I th- I'm, I'm 
I wonder how this got in there, but I'm going to guess it's come up as a result of the ESG, environmental, social governance kind of things. I don't know, but my oh, okay. take on your value, I want to get my kids through college. That's a value. I want to take care of my family. I want to, whatever your values are, but it doesn't just mean socially responsible investing, although that's all it ever hits the press these days. Oh. I want to give more money to charity. That's a human value. That's a value we can get around. This, that, yeah. So I'm not bad mouthing that i'm just saying yeah but values are many different things to many different people yeah i guess i was when i heard that did you think i guess you can no i I guess i was thinking more like priorities and goals like like that's all related you know what you value will lead to what your priorities are and what your long-term goals are so that's where my mind was going certain people people generic financial advice is save 10 to 15% in your 401k and maybe make deductible contributions to reduce your taxes. Or maybe it's, there's other generic advice out there, add money to a Roth, which would mean foregoing a tax deduction, but but that's generic advice. And if you factor in someone's goals and priorities, then the advice can be more tailored to them. So in things, yeah, everyone's situation is a little bit different. And so, yeah, I guess I wasn't, my mind didn't go to ESG investing. That's interesting. Yours and mine went to... Yeah. Reaction, but anyway, so your your point is obviously spot on. And the way it works is that prioritizing is the deal. We do some financial planning for most of our folks and you can't have everything you want. Okay, so what's most important and why don't you line them up in order of your priorities? And by the way, people may shift their priorities based on what they think they can afford versus what they can't afford. Yeah. Okay. Can I and do another... a vacation home or not? Or do I send yeah. them to private school or public school or whatever, right? I think another good example is gener- generic financial advice would be save 10 to 15% in your 401k, take care of yourself first, take care of your own retirement, worry about college second. And I think that is good generic advice, but there are some people who value education. Well, a lot of people do, but who a priority for them, it might be getting their kids through school with a minimal amount of loans. They might value a private school education, for example, more expensive, and they might choose to set their priority as I want to pay for my kids to go to school and I don't want them to be burdened by loans and they and then they could recognize that and I will work x years longer and that's okay with me so that I can afford to do that and so then their behavior the advice to them would be different and tailored and then their behavior and their savings and where, where they're allocating their money and how much they're saving and all that can change and that's that that's that generally doesn't align with generic advice but that is an example of where advice can be tailored to you and what you value and and how you choose to set your priorities and some people don't even really know think they don't have enough information to make that decision most people that's the problem they don't and i also think that people i also think that working with a professional just allows people to express and set their priorities they will know their values innately i think but maybe they haven't verbalized it and maybe they haven't they haven't gone through the exercise of really setting the goals and verbalizing or writing down their priorities and making a plan so i think just going through the exercise and having the discussions with the professional is helpful because some people are kind of like oh i don't know we hadn't thought about that and and then they, they start talking and then their priorities and goals will set 
be set through that exercise and then their their values i don't know they're they what's the word they bubble up they present themselves i guess and in the form of priorities and financial goals so i think that can be really helpful because a lot of people just don't go through that exercise on their own yeah, for all of us advisors, when we sit down with folks and do some planning and help them, our job is to give people enough information so that they can make some well-informed and well-reasoned financial decisions about their lives. Okay, yeah. and if paying for private schools is a priority and they understand that working X amount of more years in retirement is a trade-off, as long as they're aware of that and know the consequences and they make their decisions and you choose your values and you prioritize them and you move on. My, my point is that there's a whole bunch of folks listening to us that that can't sift and sort through mm-hmm. all those possibilities, okay, and, and figure out what should pre-priorities. A lot of folks need some help in that. God knows we've learned a whole lot of things over the years working with folks and planning software about how important those decisions are. So yeah, helping to align your finances with your values is a real big one. And I'm sorry, most folks listening to us don't have enough information to sift and sort through all of that and make a good decision and place your bets about your life and where you're going from that sort of thing. Anything else yeah. on before we move along? Or? I was thinking about accountability. I don't know if that's like a separate reason or a separate discussion, but I also think that people benefit from a professional or an advisor holding holding them accountable. Yeah, I have to go see those McNamara. Yeah, and things, right? <laughs> yeah, and then they maybe do things differently, or and they're like, "Oh, I had that homework to do," and they they do it before they come in for a meeting. And I don't know if that's maybe a separate. That's a little bit separate from values. But I was just thinking along the lines of like goals and meeting goals, and and verbalizing goals and an advisor can help someone give them clarity on how much they have to save to meet goals. And some people can't, some people might not be able to do that without being held accountable. In other words, spend a little less so you can save a little more. And some people just can't do that. It's hard to do yourself without someone like watching you. It's like why I go to the gym. I I wouldn't hold myself accountable for getting a good workout. If someone's not watching me, making me do it. Yeah. It's very similar. The knowledge that you have to have in many different areas that smell like finance, quote unquote, or relate to finance, the knowledge that you have to have there to make decisions, a whole lot of people just don't have the time to do that kind of stuff and, and or the expertise and or, or the, the can do the mathematics to come out with what can I do and what can I do. But anyway, moving along. Reason number four helps me plan and keeps me organized, disciplined, and on track. See, I think you read ahead. I think that's, yeah, that's like accountability, yeah. You basically just said that stuff. That's exactly correct, okay. Deadlines are great. Oh, I gotta go meet those McNamara's. I gotta get around to doing this and check on making sure this, that, and the other thing sort of thing. Yep, yep, it's, I guess we could get to this at the end, but a financial advisor, it's somebody you gotta be able to like and trust. And that, yeah. that if trust is earned, it's not, you don't start off with that. So it's hard to find pr- pretty good ones, folks. O- over time, if you're working with somebody that you trust and has earned your trust, makes life a lot less complicated for a lot of folks. And that's pretty cool from my point of view. Yeah, and I think that's why we get so many new clients from referrals. Yeah. Because people, it is, we do work to build trust over time with our clients, but people have to start somewhere. And if they don't already have, when you're just starting out with an advisor, you don't have the relationship, obviously. So very common for people to ask close friends or family for a referral to any sort 
sort of professional attorneys, CPAs, all the same, but it's, it is really important. And, and I've always say this is a trust business and yeah, we, we work hard to earn that trust. And if you're letting someone manage your money for you and take a little bit of control over your financial life, it, trust is incredibly important. I think it's of the utmost importance to be yeah. honest. And it, how do you, it, it just, yeah, developing that takes time. You got to start someplace. Yeah. It's pretty, yeah, as you well know, I have a bunch of relationships I've had for 25 or 30 or 35 years now, which is cool. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Part of the reason I'm still working is I got a bunch of people who depend on me and trust me. They want me to stop working. So why not? What the hell? Yeah. You know that. Okay, on a shorter time. Yeah. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right. Reason number three helps me reduce my financial anxiety and provide peace of mind. What do you think about that? Let me reduce my financial anxiety. Yeah. I don't know if I, yeah, I guess I just not, didn't not think get rid of it. Just reduce it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people I think have financial anxiety because they don't understand things. So you, I think you fear things you don't understand or you shy away from them. And so I have a, a sense that a lot of people feel better when I can explain things to them and then they start to understand it and, and that leads to reduction of anxiety and stress. And then also just making a plan, just making the plan, sticking to the plan and following through is a whole nother story, but just make coming up with a plan so people have clarity regarding what do I need to do to get there is an incredible stress relief for yeah. people. Again, following through with the plan is a whole nother story and, and certainly is very important, but yeah, I get that sense and I get comments like that from a lot of people after I meet with them first or second time, even just, I think just even people walking in the door and setting and, and having an opportunity to express their frustrations and their stress and their anxiety and then starting to develop a plan to move forward is a stress relief. I, I think even just like that very first step of walking in the door, expressing where I am, what I want, these are my problems or this is what I'm looking to achieve. I think that's a stress relief for people. Yeah, I got a couple of takes on that, that I think are on point, although it may go off a little bit. When I first broke into this business a really long time ago, for the first two or three years, I did mostly talking and not listening. And I think that mm. when I was a young advisor, you wanted to come across as being smart with the, the people yeah. that you're working with. So you just started yapping and talking about a whole bunch of things that sounded impressive and probably nobody was listening to be that or certainly didn't understand it. But when I figured out that maybe you should just kind of listen and ask yeah. questions, that's a good way to start. But, but to get to that, two minutes, Tim, I need another four hours here this morning. I'm no, sorry. no, no, we're going to be listening. We're okay. break from talking. You're going to have to talk to the boss man downstairs if you want more time. I <laughs> got, a, got a clock to follow here. It, it, anyway, I, actually, this is a good point to probably finish up on. So pe people need to understand something at some level. Yeah. And what I what I try to do, and I'm sure you do as well, that I don't want to know anything. No, here's here, you should be able to talk to a friend at a cocktail party or at a gathering and in about 30 seconds or 50 seconds explain what your financial advisor is doing for you. So if your level of understanding is I don't want to know, we don't want to work with you. You need to know a few things and you need to have some basics. But the degree that people want to understand things varies with every person who walks in the door. Okay, and basically what you want to do is try to tailor that advice to the folks you're working with. What we learned to do that, okay? And so my point is that a financial advisor, you ought to understand what your financial advisor is doing 
to the level and degree that you need to so that you get that peace of mind. And if it's an elementary level and it works for you, great. And if you're a nuclear engineer and you need those details, we can help you with that as well. So <laughs> any thoughts on that before Tim shuts us off? Oh, I'm going to have a lot of thoughts on that actually after the break. Oh, I need more time. <laughs> okay, so let's see. Da-dum, da-dum, da-dum. How about we take a break, Tim, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Your investment strategy should largely be determined by the amount of time you have before needing the money. If you are aggressively invested, time is your friend when it comes to your portfolio recovering from this scary stock market. If you need your invested money soon, it should have been conservative to begin with. If you're not sure how your money is invested, I'd be happy to offer my opinion. 781-834-2010. We're back. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money. And we're chatting this morning. By the way, my darling daughter and business partner, Alyssa, is with me this morning. We're chatting about the value of financial advisors. We don't do this very often around here, folks, but we think probably every once in a while you need to need a little refresher on that in terms of how that goes. Anyway, financial advisors, I would put us in the category of there's the investment folks, there's the planning folks, there's the accountants, there's attorneys, and there's the insurance folks. I think that probably the list and the reason we're having this discussion is it's I think it's pretty simple most folks don't have time to deal with all of those issues and probably need some help so this we've we finished up last at the break there you had a couple comments on my comments or whatever go for it um, yeah you were talking about how I guess I was going to slightly disagree with you, just very slightly. You've done that before, more than slightly. (laughs) You were saying that that people should be able, at a cocktail party, for example, to be able to explain what your advisor is doing for you. At At their level. At their level. Okay, at their level. I guess I didn't know what you meant by that. I think I know what you meant by that, but I think it's very, we've, we talked a little bit about how we've talked on the show before and touched on it this morning that explaining things to clients can help relieve their stress and anxiety and also help build trust. And it's important for people to understand what their advisor's doing with their money. And it gives them a comfort level and trust and also allows the client to make an informed decision, right? We want, there are, we want their feedback. We want to know how they feel and what they want to do. There are decisions, of course, that we need our clients to make or to help us make. And, and so they're, them understanding what we're doing is very important. But I think in reality, like when we're sitting (laughs) and I, I would, I think there's parallels here with people meeting with estate planning attorneys, for example, but I think it's, I think it's realistic. I think it's important that when you're, we're sitting with a client and explaining things that in the, like in the moment they're understanding and then, but I sometimes wonder or think that for a lot of them anyway, they might walk out the door and like the next day, not, (laughs) might not be able to repeat it. (laughs) And I think that's okay because, because again, if you're working with an advisor that you trust, right, and you understood it in the moment and made decisions together, and then you're, again, under the heading of stress relief, right, allowing your advisor to then take it from there and manage the accounts ongoing and make decisions throughout the course of a year or whatever for the benefit of the client. So I, I think that, I don't necessarily think that they people would be able to repeat it, but maybe it, maybe you're just mean at a very basic level. Yeah, but they're comfortable yeah. enough to let it continue and come back and talk some more sort of a thing. Yeah, but one other piece of that, yeah. though. Sometimes you might have a financial advisor who said one thing on one topic and an accountant who said 
a different thing on the same topic. So there are some times when, yeah. and by the way, both could be right. We, we might have a take on, yeah. a good example would be, <clears throat> what do you mean I have to pay a big tax on my capital gains? What it means is you made money, be happy. An accountant might have a different take on that in terms of how that works. So my yeah. point is that from time to time, you ought to have your financial advisors be able to talk to each other or and be on the same planet. So we, on a fairly regular basis, we sit in on meetings or phone calls with other financial advisors folks have because like they're all on the same team. They might have some different views about things. And by the way, we might have some views about irrevocable trusts, not being attorneys and attorneys may have some other views. Yeah. And Clients ought to benefit from both of those and understand that some of them might not agree. Then you got to make your choice about what you want to do. The thing. So it's just not only should you be familiar and understand your advisor, but maybe they ought to be talking to you and you're all on the same team and you ought to be able to work together. The thing in a perfect world or something like that. In a perfect world, yeah, those conversations are sometimes hard to facilitate, but yeah. I do find that a lot of. I, I do think it's certainly in a client's best interest if all your professionals are cooperating. And in the in in my experience, for the most part, all other professionals I have attempted to cooperate with are generally cooperative. Yep. I've had very few experiences where I couldn't get a hold of someone or they didn't cooperate for whatever reason. But I think we all recognize that it's in everyone's best interest. It can be, it's certainly best for the client, but it's also more efficient for the professionals. It makes our lives easier if we have all the information and we have a legal and tax and other opinions and a little bit more help with the bigger picture as well. So uh, I think we all recognize that. Yeah, it's like a little bit of time commitment for us to set up a meeting or communicate with the other professionals. But in general, it makes everyone's life easier and more efficient, makes us more efficient when we do cooperate. Yeah, that's really important. All righty, moving along. Reason number two, we're getting close now, helps me keep a long term view so I can achieve goals such as a financially secure retirement. Yeah. Let you go first before I tee off here. One of my commercials that is getting really outdated, and I did record new commercials, and I have to remind WATD to play them during the show because that was one of my old ones on the break. But okay. one of my one of my dated, getting dated commercials is about delayed gratification I versus yes, indeed. Okay, versus immediate gratification. So yeah. this one's really important because we're now in. Listen, listen. I want it all, and I want it now. Yeah, <laughs> that's who we are as a society, and it's it's no one's fault. This is the world that we live in. And it's and we're used to immediate gratification and information is available immediately and whatever I want is available immediately with next day or same day Amazon delivery. Like we're just so used to having what we want very quickly and it in the world of saving for a very large financial goal like retirement or getting my kids through college unless you make a very large amount of money or you come into a very large amount of money, that's not realistic. It's incredibly difficult to save for a financial goal like that in a short period of time. You have to be, you have to embrace delayed gratification to be successful with this. And we don't like that. (laughs) Yeah. And as a society, it's really, that's really hard. And, and number one, it's hard to I don't know. It's hard to embrace it and it can be frustrating to see balances in your 401k smaller than you want them to be for years. But it's also hard to save what you need to save 
So number one, you have to embrace the long-term goal. Number two, you have to apply, you have to change your behavior so that you can meet that long-term goal. And that behavior means reducing what you spend in favor of saving. And that's hard because everyone wants the immediate gratification of, I want this money now. I want to book this trip now. I want this, this good or commodity now. And so to be able to not spend in favor of saving is also another it's it can also be very difficult for people because yeah, that's you have, just, to have to deal with the rest of yeah. the world while you think yeah. about it. Yeah. I, we probably won't get to it today, but I have a an article I was going to do some discussion on about a lady who was living a modest life and her friends were criticizing her because they thought she was poor, but she was choo- choosing to live yeah. a life within her means and she had her goals and she was yeah. starting to question wh- whether she was okay doing that. And oh. I thought it's very interesting. Yeah, it's I. The long term versus the short term, just on investments alone, I've said this for years, okay, the government requires that everybody get a financial statement of their money every month. How on? How can you possibly become mm. a long term investor if you see your investment values every month? That, that, yeah. that can teach long term. And by the way, a bunch of folks listening to us who probably check their investment value daily or weekly or at some frequency. It's the hardest thing to do. Okay, it really is. I, I, I don't know if this works perfectly, but it probably could. You could probably pick any day in the last 80 or 100 years Okay, and if you had 20 years to buy the S&P 500 and close your eyes, you probably made money. Okay, I, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure there are like no 20-year time frames where you lost any money if you just closed your eyes for 20 years, owned the entire stock market, and woke up like Rip Van Winkle 20 years later and been better off. That that doesn't fly well in today's today's world, given the circumstances, but long-term is the only way you can think if you're planning for the future, but short-term attacks you every day, every minute, every second, and it's just so hard to reconcile both of those worlds. It's really, really tough. It's also hard to achieve. Yeah, it's it, really what you want is some, I think what most people want is some balance, right? Yeah. And every work-life balance, so it's all balance is really hot topic lately. And But I think balance in this regard is really important. So you just said, I forget exactly how you phrased it, but you have to save substantial amounts. You have to be really good at saving and you might have to cut back on spending if you want to secure, if you're planning to live a long life and want to secure retirement. But it's really hard because everyone knows someone who has died way too young, right? And the older you get, you start to know more people that have died before you think that they should have. And then you start to question, what am I saving for? I want to enjoy my life. How How long is it going to be? And so I think the older people get, the more they start to maybe question that and want more balance and because you just don't know. So I do think balance is really key. I think it's maybe it's a little bit easier when you're in your 20s and 30s and and, and to cut back and save and because most likely you're going to live a lot longer than that. But then I think when people maybe get into their maybe 40s or certainly 50s and 60s, then they start wanting to spend because you just because again everyone knows someone yeah yeah. people that you know makes them question what they're saving for and how long is it going to be and yeah i think that gets i think that gets really hard but i guess i would just say you have to balance it yeah in a perfect world you could have some money to spend and enjoy life and take the trips you want to take if that's what you want to do and also save some money for the future because 
because most likely you will live to your life expectancy or something. So don't get to have a little fun along the way. Yeah, I know. And I love it when my early retiree clients or, or maybe not quite retired, but starting to really like enjoy money too. I love it when they book trips or I just had a client book a 50th anniversary trip because they, it was kind of like, it was like a lot for them to spend and we're planning for the long term, but they're just kind of, you know what? It's our 50th and we're going to Italy. And I was like, you know what? I love it. I, because you just don't know. And yeah. Yeah. So that's hard. All right. Reason number one, offers professional expertise I don't have. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, that's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of investment. There's a lot of investments out there. There's a lot of portfolios to choose from. Even if you just Google investment portfolio, there's a lot of information out there and working with someone that has the time or the, and, or the resources to digest all that information and make choices that are in your best interest is there's a value in that. Alrighty. Okay. So as long as we're on the subject of financial advisors, we may as well talk about how they get paid and whether they're worth it or not. So oh yeah, okay. Probably a good way, a good way to, to end. So I'm I'm on Yahoo Finance and I'm quoting an article from Smart Asset, written by a fellow by the name of Matt Becker, and this was in July of 2023. And the, the article is Ask an Advisor. I am giving away. 25% of my return. Why does a financial advisor earn a 1% fee even in a bear market? Okay. I got plenty of ammunition for that. You want to get started for that or what's your reaction? I guess my first reaction is advisors work. I I work my hardest in terms of communicating with clients and helping them understand and give them perspective and helping them avoid mistakes with their money. Yep. I do that the most frequently in bear markets. I think that's where that's, that's where we make where, our money. That's where we really can provide yep. the most value because it's really wow. easy to be an investor when markets are normal and when markets are strong. It's really easy emotionally and it's really difficult to be an investor when markets are down and are not strong and there's terrible economic data out there and news and it's really hard to be an investor in those times and your an investor's first reaction or emotional reaction is often the wrong one and we know that and it's and they a lot of our clients look to their advisor in tough times to help them understand and to coach them and guide them and how to avoid a mistake and so that's where we're not doing anybody any good if we have no revenue and we're not in business in a down market. That's when we work the hardest and that's when our clients need us the most. All right. All right. So by the way, financial advisors come in a whole lot of different flavors. They do a whole lot of different things and they charge a whole lot of different ways. How's that for you? So I think maybe maybe a little history here would be helpful when it's it's hopefully changing. But a long time ago and maybe even as recently as 10 or 10 or 12 years ago, people would walk into a financial advisor office and they think they just manage the money and don't do anything else. And there are certainly advisors that do that and get paid for that sort of a thing. The our take on this is that 
the actual portfolio development and management and techniques over the years it's becoming more of a commodity to manage money and a long time ago we figured out that maybe besides managing money we ought to do some other things for our clients as well to make our value worthwhile and i think combining the money management and the financial planning which is basically how we run our business that's a powerful combination to provide value for folks managing money is important we're very good at it because we hire some professionals to do that but managing people is much more important than that. It's so cool when we do our financial planning with folks, the things that can mess up a retirement plan or make a retirement plan is the three or four most important things. None of them is a return on your investments. All of them are decisions about living within your budget and having your mortgage paid off and making wise financial decisions about insurance and other things. So there's so many areas of finance, okay, where if you make a mistake, whatever you earned on your money it isn't going to isn't going to count for much because you had a mortgage, you know, a huge mortgage about the day that you retired, or this, that, or the other thing. But m- my point is that, and the whole reason, okay, that we operate is finance is a really complicated picture of a whole bunch of new moving pieces, and in managing your money and in earning investment return, that that's a piece of the puzzle. But for a whole lot of folks. It's not the important, most important thing given the circumstances. We've seen that. You want to you go with that or you want me to keep going here? You got your reaction to that? Yeah, no, I agree with that, of course. I think there are like maybe like drastic scenarios where if someone's in a, yeah, I guess I, rate of return and portfolio selection can matter if you're talking about a very long period of time and very substantial differences in returns. If someone is like 20 or 30 and their 401k is like really conservative or in cash or something, for 20 or 30 years, the difference between that and being in a, a more aggressive, like likely, not guaranteed, but higher earning portfolio over a really long period of time, that can be very impactful in their life. But that actually comes down to advice and mistakes with your money, not necessarily. That's like, that's kind of, that's really kind of what you're talking about. But yeah, rate of rate of return percentage or two here, there over periods of time is not a large variable in the overall success of your financial life, but drastic differences and in inappropriate investment strategies and with that can, which can go the other way as well, certainly. But again, that's, that comes back to your planning and advice, not yeah. necessarily just nitpicking on rate of return, a uh, half a percent or a percent here or there. Yeah. Yeah. Over the long run, Vanguard's portfolios and Fidelity's portfolios and McNamara financial portfolio, over the long run, the difference in returns yeah. is minuscule. Okay. Yeah. That's not the point, folks. It's how you behave, okay, with regard to a whole bunch of aspects in your life, okay? And that's how we justify how we get paid, okay? The planning and investments are a package, and I think you can't live without that package. The simplest way, by the way, if I was to give one person one piece of advice who was never going to talk to a financial advisor ever, I would say make sure you don't have a mortgage when you retire. Okay, if you have to reduce your expenses by 25 or 30% in your retirement because your income goes down by that much, a mortgage and not having one is an easy way to do that. It's got nothing to do with investments, folks. That's got to do with how you live your life, okay? Yeah. Or, or if, you li- if you live in a big house and a big mortgage, okay, 
you're in trouble, okay? If you don't have enough life insurance, God, you've got to play defense besides offense, folks. Life insurance, bad things happen to people. People get in an accident. Health insurance, medical issues, emergency reserves. The picture is, it's overwhelming for a whole bunch of folks, okay? And a good financial advisor helps you look at all of those and try to work them together into some kind of a sensible plan. And that's worth anything you can pay for it, given the circumstances. Yeah. Uh, you can see some articles, well, that 1% a year that, that you have to pay an advisor, if you compound that out for 20 or 30 years, you'd pay thirty or $40,000 or whatever the heck the number was for financial advisor. My, my tongue-in-cheek response is there's a pretty good chance that a financial advisor worth his or her salt is worth the 1% you pay him and will prevent you from making mistakes that are a lot more costly than 1% sort of a thing. But yeah. that's an individual choice. But uh, when you think financial advisor, I guess that my... my uh, most important point here is a financial advisor, you probably need three or four or five of them to make your life work, okay? And you got to tie all those things together. And if you have a financial planner over here and an investment manager over there, that works. But you have to have mm-hmm. those places covered. So I guess that's a plug for financial planning, right? Yeah. I yeah. do think, coming back to your earlier comment about yeah. advisors getting paid even in down markets, like yeah, yeah. I do think I, I like that, again, advisors have different structures yeah. but yeah. i do like how our structure is based on a like a percentage of it's a per, it's a based on a percentage of a client's the value you, of their assets so you live and die with them too yeah right? so yeah. in down markets our income does go yeah. down and it yeah. doesn't go away but yeah. it does go down yeah. and in good markets and your portfolios are up in value our income goes up our revenue goes up so we're like in the boat with the client and i think that there's some comfort in that yeah from their perspective yeah, good point. The industry, I get all kinds of industry publications, as do you, and they're always talking about, as financial advisors, you should charge a flat fee, and that way you won't have to worry about market ups and downs. People aren't going to pay a flat fee when markets are down, but that's beside the point. Yeah, yeah. We, we live and die with our clients. Our income goes down, too, and that comes with the deal. That you, yeah, how can you identify with your folks if you're not in the same boat with them? And that's what I love about mm-hmm. this. It's under management kind of thing. As, as long as you get your money's worth. Yeah. The, the point that I I've, would... I've been to a lot of conferences, as have you, and have met a lot of advisors over the years. And yeah. I've known one advisor ever who charged a flat fee yeah. on his clients. And he, and he yeah. had to adjust and he adjusted the fee every year based on costs to maintain the client based on hours spent on the client and it's an hourly model but but it was but he translated it into a flat fee every year and had to have those discussions with the client every year so i i can see the reasons for doing that but i was just i was always wondering, like, how many hours is it taking you to evaluate that and track the hours and then adjust the fee? I was just kind of, this is part of that just doesn't make any sense. But yeah, it's very uncommon, that model. Yeah. Yeah. You have any take on the younger advisors these days? Or are they, what are I don't, they? I don't know a lot of them, but they, but yeah, like the monthly retainer. And yeah. I, 
I have a hard time thinking that's going to gain a lot of traction and that it won't just be interruptions in the service model and people won't just stop paying over time. But I guess we'll talk about that another day because we do have to wrap. But that's a wrap for today, Doc. All right. The story is that there's some folks out there listening to us who probably need some financial advice from a variety of different advisors. And I hope I hope that you're covered in that department and then we can go from there. All right, folks, it's time to go. Listen, any parting words on your own or what? No, thanks for listening, everybody. You're listening to McNamara on Money. Have a great weekend. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Right, bye-bye.